Don't say that about yourself. I don't like that. What's up, everybody? Welcome <laughs> into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. Quick rundown of the show if you're new. Um, I used to drink a lot and rant and rave and talk shit with my friends. I don't drink anymore, hence the ex-drinking buddy, but I still like to talk shit, rant, rave, uh, talk about old drinking stories and stuff like that. Still like to do it with my friends, too. Sometimes I will do it by myself, but I'm actually joined today by a very special guest, a very good friend of mine who's leaving us in the Jacksonville comedy community. You've heard him before. It's Dallas Nelson. What's going on, man? Hi. Oh, man, it's so good to be here. I miss you. I miss you too, buddy. Um, plug everything you want to plug up front, uh, Instagram, all your social media, anything like that. You got any shows coming up? Uh, no shows coming up because of uh, COVID uh, apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> but uh, look me up on Instagram, Atlas underscore vaped. Uh, look me up on Facebook, Dallas James Nelson. Uh, I use the three names because I'm pretentious. Um, yeah. Uh, and then I... I'm looking for a Twitter handle. I thought it would be cool to be Apple Wasps, but I think that one's taken. All right. Well, it's good to have you back on the show. Um, we had you on last time. You talked about what it was like to uh, grow up in kind of a Southern Christian household. And then uh, you told us about, if you haven't listened to it, you should go back and listen to Dallas's first episode. We talk about being gay in the military and getting into some trouble, drinking in the military, an urban legend that is... Um, Floating around the west coast of the country because of you. Yeah, that, oh, dude. Uh, I actually forgot something really funny uh, about that story. So for anybody listening, uh, the story is is that um, a really drunk Marine uh, hit me because he thought that I was flirting with his girlfriend, which I don't know if you guys can tell from the tone of my voice, but I am very obviously uh, a bullied kid. Um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, uh, I forgot a story in that, that after he hit me because I wanted to be tough, I was like, did I just get fucked? Like, <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I called a friend of mine. He listened to it and told me that, like, you forgot the best part, man. Oh, really? Yeah, I know. I But I was on I was on AMFs, audio, uh, audio smotherfuckers, whatever those were. Yeah, those are good drinks. Oh, no, they're not. Anything that's neon is designed to fuck you up. Yeah. That's for sure. That's definitely for sure. Uh, yeah. Dude, I, I love neon drinks because I feel like they just remind me of the 90s. Oh, I thought you were going to say because they feel futuristic. No. You well, went the other way. No, no, no. Um, it, it, like that. Have you ever heard of retro futurism? No. Okay. So it's like that idea that like the future. Is that like steampunk? No, retrofuturism is is like you know when you look at like magazines of the fifties and they're like in the future everyone yeah. will be wearing silver. Like uh, I think that neon drinks are like a holdover from the nineties because the nineties like they thought that that was like the future yeah. that everyone would have like these bubbly drinks and like rings. Well, and... you can see it in a lot of like sci-fi and stuff, um, science fiction. They have a lot of the drinks like if they go into bar scenes and stuff. A lot of the drinks are like these bright neon colors. Yeah, yeah. See, we're learning something new with Dallas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just a huge nerd, man. Uh, you and me both. Uh, I don't know. Wait. So, Brennan, I've always been curious. Why? Dallas is now taking over the show. I am. I am. Uh, wait. Why? Why did you do comedy? Why? Why do you think we're comics? Why do we? Why do I think we are comics? Or why did I get into comedy? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why are you a comic? Um, I talk about this on uh, episode one, I think, but um. The short version is, uh, I feel like, I don't know, I see things 
like with the stories that happen to me and the things I see just observe in daily happenings, I uh, I don't know. I just feel like there's certain things that it's like, does is anybody else seeing this? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the short version is, uh, I I always reference that scene in Jerry Maguire where he said I had so much to say and no one to listen. And I think comedy for me has always been my sense of humor has always been a, a coping mechanism, a defense mechanism. Um, and now that I don't drink and do drugs anymore, it's like my only defense mechanism. Like if anything happens, I always think like, how is this funny? Um, and I don't know. I just want to share that with other people. A big thing too is that. You know, after almost dying three separate times from alcohol poisoning and the DUIs and, you know, my masochism when I used to hurt myself, a big thing is I want to be able to show people like there's there's humor in all of that. Guys, this is a very light podcast. Yeah, (laughs) we're going to be super light. No, but my my biggest thing is that I want to show people and the reason why I, I am so passionate about it and why I always say there is no plan B like it's just it's comedy. Whether I'm scraping by on like, you know, $50 a show, like, you know, every once in a while or something happens with comedy, it doesn't matter because this is the track. Because my biggest thing is that I know when I was a kid and I suffer, I still suffer from my anxiety and depression and stuff. But when I was a kid and my my cousin Tom showed me stand up comedy, Comedy Central Presents, he used to record them when they would air on VHS. And then I started doing that. And I remember some of the comics like Mitch Hedberg and um, Tom Rhodes and even Stephen Lynch and some of these guys from back then, um, I would watch them and I was like, oh, some of the stuff they're making fun of is like the way I feel. Yeah. And we're laughing about it now. Well, you know, the great thing about comedy is it's basically like Mecca for sad white guys. Yeah. Uh, It really is. Like there's just a... Because if you think about comedy, it is, uh, it's just saying stupid things in a mic. And that's really what sad, sad <laughs> white guys, like, oh man, like you, you have to be privileged enough to be like, I, I want to say something dumb and yeah. people should be listening. <laughs> well, and it's like that, it's like that, um, scene in any wedding where like the uncle or like the second cousin is like, I want to say something. And it's like, you're not giving a toast. And you're like, no, I want to say something and people need to hear it. Yeah. And that's kind of, to your point, that's kind of what comedy is, is it's just a bunch of us being like, I have something to say. And they're like, no, nobody really wants it. It's like, I have something to say. <laughs> um, but, oh man, burn that light again. Yeah. That's, um, but that's, that's truly why I'm so passionate about it. And it's funny because my co-host from my other podcast, uh, my sports podcast, Cheers from the Press Box. Check that out um, if you like listening about two idiots ramble about sports. But my co-host pointed something out because he's going back and re-listening to every episode of this show. And he was like, you know, it's funny. In the first couple of episodes, you talk about how you used to get drunk on stage and be an asshole, basically. And now when you have guests on, you're always like so against like open micers who get up drunk and have nothing to say and they're just kind of rambling he's like you used to do that and i kind of i was like well yeah i'm a huge hypocrite like i don't know what you want from me yeah yeah dude for comics we are awful human beings yeah but it's one of those things too where and i know i've talked to you about it on this show and i've talked to a few people about it but the reason why i get so passionate now is now everything that happened in like the last few years i'm very much like well, this is this is it. This is all I'm gonna do. Well, you know, I mean that that's just, I mean that's just everything. Though I I think the 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 thing that a lot of people don't realize is is that like you know don't be ashamed of what you had to do to survive kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I I think a lot of people don't realize like 
you know, everybody just kind of wants the pain that they had in their life to be the good pain. You know, yeah. they want it to be like, no, the thing that hurt me actually made me stronger. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's and it's a weird thing because I think, you know, you see those memes all the time where it's like, oh, if you could go, you know, you take this pill, you get 10 million dollars. You take this pill, you go back to when you were 10 or, you know, people always pose that question of, well, if you could go back with all the knowledge you have now to, you know, and start all over, would you? And for me, it is very much like, well, I mean, I would want to with everything that I know. But at the same time, like I wouldn't be like everybody fucking says, I wouldn't be where I am. Yeah. Had none of that stuff happen. But it's weird because like I think back on like past relationships that I've destroyed and, you know, my body that I destroyed and like certain situations I found myself in. And I'm like, yeah, it would it would have saved me a lot of trouble to not do that. But some of my best material comes out of that, like my scar story about cutting my own face open. Uh, I, I don't know. I I always think about like going in the past and living a different life. And uh, I always, uh, to nip that in the bud because it's really bad for depression, I just imagine that in that timeline, I would still just kill myself. Um, <laughs> what time? <laughs> All right, found it. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, no. Uh, I don't you have know. a really funny joke about. I know suicide is not something you should joke about, but because Dallas and I are both uh, diagnosed clinically depressed, this is something that is in our wheelhouse. Yeah, we, you know. So it's so funny. Is like I, I, I wrote a joke when I stopped being suicidal. Like it was a real thing in my life. I was driving my car, and I had been taking antidepressants and therapy and everything. Um, and I was like, oh, man, because I used to be so bad that, like, sometimes I would, like, talk to myself and I would just be driving down the road and I'd be like, I want to kill myself. Like, I would just, yeah. like, blurt it I out. Those before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was so funny is, is that I was driving my car one day and I was like, oh, man, I don't want to kill myself. And I just had I broke down because I was like, that means I have to plan for the future. <laughs> like, I just You didn't. have. But I, I honestly, you know, it's weird because. When people say, like, there's certain things you can't joke about, I understand that ideology when it comes to things like, like, racism. Like, you know, certain jokes that are racial are funny, but racism itself and some of that stuff, I understand, like, yeah, people shouldn't joke about it. But if it's a well-crafted joke, I think you – and it's funny. I think that you could joke about anything. And the reason I say that is because you've had a string of stuff you do on stage, bits that you have, jokes that you have about – suicide and as someone who's suffered with depression and this is exactly what i'm talking about from before as someone who suffered with depression and had those thoughts i mean i've been baker acted twice i've got scars all over my body from hurting myself you know you can see the scars that go up and down my wrist from when i was younger and i thought oh i'll just end it all like when you say those jokes on stage they resonate with me a hundredfold because i've been in that position and I'm not going to burn any of them, but it's just it's so because they're so well crafted and they're funny. But not only that, but they speak to me, which is the I envy you in that light because that's something I want to do with my humor. Like I want it to I want it to be funny on the surface to everybody, but I also want it to, for people who've experienced that to hit even harder. Well, you know, so the first joke I ever wrote that, like, I figured out was a stand-up joke. Like, so most people, like, you know, when you start stand-up, it takes, like, a like a forever to even figure out how to fucking write a joke. Yeah. Because you're just so used to, like, you're used to, like, office-level jokes, and they don't 
function the same way. Exactly. Like, they, like it, it's weird. It, uh, and it's kind of like a like they don't feel right. Like, and it's awful now because I used to have like a huge like a lexicon of office jokes yeah. that I could just tell on like a heartbeat notice. And now that I've done stand up, I can't do those. Yeah, because you're like, oh no, this isn't. Yeah, I like can't tell office style jokes anymore. Like, I can't tell a person a joke anymore because yeah. I could do jokes on. I could riff, but don't ask me to tell you a joke. Oh my so god, it's the weird. worst. Oh yeah, it's but it it feels weird. But the first joke I ever wrote, I wrote by accident, and the first joke I wrote, I still use it in my stand up. Is is my doctor asked me recently <laughs> if I had uh, my doctor asked me recently if I had any suicidal thoughts, and I was like, no, uh, they're more like instincts. I love that joke. No, I that I accidentally I, I that is something I said and did not mean as a joke. Uh, yeah. So the true story, and this, and it was really funny. But uh, when I w- when I was in my my squadron, uh, and I was just horrifically depressed. And there was this guy, uh, just kind of a nebbish fellow. Uh, in the military, uh, there was something called ropes in training. Uh, ropes were like a program that you did that you would put a rope on your uniform if you were like working with the NCOs or something like that. So there was a white rope if you worked with a chaplain and having a white rope was kind of like a, just a bit that you were kind of a nebbish fellow. Uh, and so we were always back then, I don't know how it is now, but we were always like, suicide's so bad in the military. They would be like, look, if somebody seems suicidal, you press just go if they like say it just like ask them do they need to see a therapist yeah so i was in the break room of my squadron and i was just miserable and the worst part about me is is that i can't hide my feelings um (laughs) oh god i hate that you and me both oh god i wish i could just lie about my feelings i I get so not to sidetrack but i get so mad at myself at work because this is like i get angry i like the drop of a hat because anger is my biggest emotion that i have to struggle with anger and sadness and so i'll get angry at the drop of a hat and i always regret but i will like start cussing at my coworkers. i start stomping around and i'm like so frustrated and then i'm like i wish i could be like those people who get mad but then just move on they're just like they just continue to work i'm like wait what do you mean you were pissed you didn't seem pissed they go yeah because i don't stomp my feet and start cussing everybody out and i'm like oh i'm not supposed to do that oh yeah (laughs) that's how we know uh that's how we know that you and I both were spoiled and bullied at the same time. Yeah. That is exactly what happens. You were bullied in school and spoiled at home. Yeah, um, that is true. Now, don't need a therapy degree. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> a therapy degree. Whatever the, the thingy, but the thingamajig with the brain thing. But what happened in the break room? So you're in the break room. People uh, yeah. can tell you're upset. Oh, and and I was just kind of like talking about how life was meaningless and just. Uh, and then he goes, uh, well, Nelson, uh, are you suicidal? Are you having suicidal thoughts? Because uh, he had that, like, really, he did sound like Kermit. He was very sweet, but he was, are you having suicidal thoughts? Uh, Barney Fife style. And I was just like, <laughs> and I, I just looked at him and I was like, no, they're more like instincts. Uh, because I just was like, because that's really how I felt. Like I wasn't thinking about suicide. I was like, suicide's my fucking purpose. Yeah. Uh, like, like I was born to die. I'm just choosing when I do. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> and he just starts laughing, and then 
I said that by accident. Like, I just blurted out yeah. the instincts thing. And then he laughed, and he goes, like, it's a good joke, Dallas. And I was like, yeah, uh, jo- joke. <laughs> totally, totally kidding. <laughs> to- just kidding. Yeah, t- totally. Uh, and then I wrote it down, and that was literally the first stand-up joke that I wrote that I was like, that's... So this is years before you even started doing stand-up. Yeah, this is years before I even did stand-up. Uh, I like because I had done like talent shows once in a while, like, yeah. but I would just tell like book jokes. I'd never really, this was the first time I wrote a joke, yeah, and it was a stand up joke. And I was like, that's crazy because you can't, you can say it to people, but they'll be scared. Um, <laughs> the story of my almost my entire set list, yeah, yeah, when yeah. You say it off of stage to people, they're just like, huh, yeah, that happens to me at work when people are like, oh, you do comedy, tell us a joke, and I'm like, nope. And they're like, and if they keep pushing, then I'll always throw in like the scar story or the joke I have about my uncle or something like that. And then they're always like, oh, and I go, yeah, see, out of context, not funny. Yeah, no, I. it's funny. The longer I've been doing stand up comedy, the less happy I am for people to find out I do stand up. comedy. That's it, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't. When I <laughs> when I first started. And you've heard me tell this story before because I tell it on stage sometimes. But when I first started, I had done two open mics. And then at that point, I'm a comic. I told everybody I was a comedian. Yeah, you got officially hired at stand-up comic. Yeah, I was Uh, officially hired on my Facebook page at stand-up comedy. At stand-up comedy. Oh, God. But go on. Um, I did that, too, back then. Oh, my God. I just recently changed it a couple years ago. No, no, you were drinking, so you have an excuse. Yeah, that's true. I was drinking. I actually changed it. When I got sober, I was like, what the fuck? And Barry Katz, who I think I've talked about before on this podcast, used to manage. He's uh, one of these super elite managers um, of comedians and stuff like Dane Cook and stuff like that. And uh, he used to say that, um, you know, you have to be undeniable. And that was like kind of his phrase was that like, it doesn't matter if people, if you have a business card or people know your Instagram or, you know, how many YouTube, he goes, if you're undeniable, people will find you. People will find your standup if, if you know what I mean? Like, and that makes, that made sense to me and it still makes sense to me to this day. So fast forward now, I've been back into comedy for three years. So now I've been doing it in the last 11 years. I've been doing it for like on and off for 11 years. But now that I've been really back into it for the last three, it's it's weird because now if people ask me about shows or if they ask me like like if it comes up with tables, I will tell them like, oh, well, yeah, I, I do comedy. A lot of times it happens. We talked about this last week with Scott when people go, oh, you went to college and you have degrees. Why are you waiting tables? Then I'll pull out the well, I'm pursuing my dream of stand up comedy. And this is, you know, very the schedule is very fluid. So it works. Um that's why I work at warehouses yeah. right now is it because it, it's just one like the thing about it is is that you can you can do your work and then once you're free of it like the main thing is is that if you do like a, a lot of degree level jobs you know they're far more demanding on time outside of the work absolutely uh, my uh, older sister's going through it right now she well she's been going through it she's uh, an executive uh, in marketing for a company and it seems like she's always working, even when she's not at work. Like she won't take vacations. You know, she works a lot of Saturdays, and I'm like, "What? Like, this seems miserable. Like, what are you doing?" Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know. I would much rather get paid thirteen dollars an hour and be able to do comedy than like twenty dollars an hour and not be able to do comedy. I'm in the same boat. It's weird because um, I see some of my friends now. We're all over the place. I should have brought in a notepad. I see some of my friends now. 
on Instagram and like on Facebook and social media. And a part of me is a, a small, tiny part of me is depressed because they're, you know, buying houses and starting families. And, you know, money is not really a thing for them. And I know social media is like the best version of everybody, but it's like, oh, we took this trip and I bought, you know, I bought this for myself. And, oh, we just got a new upgrade on our sound system and TVs and all this. And a part of me is like, man, I wish I would have stayed. And you know me, I have no filter. So like if I'm talking to a friend of mine from college, I'll be like, so wait, how much are you making now? Yeah. Like that's insane to me. Well, let's let's both be honest. If you're buying a house at 35, you're not. A, you're not meant to be a stand-up comic. Yeah. Uh, you're just, we are like, I. let's both be honest about this. Stand-up comics are all self-destructive individuals. Oh, There's so. no, because if you think, who wants to be a fucking clown? <laughs> <laughs> like who grows up and be like, oh, the guy that people just laugh at? I want to be him. I want to do that. <laughs> me, me. Watching Harmful of Swallowed by Dane Cook or listening to those jokes on the Comedy Central Presents. And he was up there in the tank top and pouring water on himself. And I go, I want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> me. Yeah. That's the person, the psycho who carved his own face open to prove a point to a teammate. Oh, yeah. No, it's. No, you, yeah, all comedians are self destructive because comedy innately. Because here's the thing you and I both know this. Being funny is the most cool thing and fun thing ever, but funny being your main thing is shit. Yeah. <laughs> it fucking sucks. It's, it's the worst. I remember, um, oh man, I just remember like thinking to myself, like seeing all this stuff on social media with my friends that are now like making good money. And I'm like, and there's, like I said, a tiny part of me that was like, damn. If I would have gotten a regular office job and stuck with it, I would be in one of those high level things right now. Mm. But the thing, but it's just not for me. And I've talked about this a million times on this podcast with you, with Marcus, with Brian, with even with Scott, who has a regular office job. We, I've talked about this with everybody. And it's just one of those things where that's not me. Like when people say, so you want to be extensively poor into your 40s, pretty much. And do these, you know, have like a makeshift studio in your house to record podcasts and go on stage and sometimes bomb, but sometimes crush. And like, you're just okay with that. And I'm like, there's nothing better. Like, what are you taught? Like, that is life. Well, that's okay. Two things. One, uh, I, I don't think there's nothing better. I just think that this is just kind of what I've got left, bud. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I love it. I, I, I love it, but let's, I love it because I kind of have to love it. Like, <laughs> Like I, I like it because I'm like, oh yeah, this this is great. I am secretly very pissed at God. Uh, like, <laughs> I could have picked any other skill set. Like, oh dude, I would. Oh man, like but when it, you're creating your character on a, on Skyrim. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I could totally do different stat alloca allocation, but uh, no, no. I I actually kind of miss bombing. Uh, I do. I miss bombing. I think bombing's really nice because the best thing about bombing is is that you put all this effort into writing a joke that's going to make someone laugh, and then this room full of strangers looks at something that you devoted your time, your effort to, and then they don't laugh, and you're like, oh, that feeling of being weird and alone is yeah. not made up. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, like, well, and it's it's weird because you know me. I, I quote movies all the time, and there's this. And sometimes I still get sometimes depending on the show, but there's a lot of times where I still get really nervous before a show. Oh, I and 
but it's good it, to like what you're talking about with the bombing thing. Like, it's good to feel that. And there's a, a scene in Get Him to the Greek, that dumb movie that's kind of like a spinoff of Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where he's yeah. telling he's telling a Jonah Hill's character, um, Russell Brand's character is telling Jonah Hill's character, like, I'm nervous. And he goes, you've done this a thousand times. Why would you be nervous? And he goes, no, no, no. It's good to be nervous. It's good to feel this. Yeah. And that's the same way I feel about bombing. That's the same way I feel about a big show. Like, I could do open mics till I'm blue in the face. And I, I, you know what I mean? You pull up, you, you have your set list, you go up, you, you do whatever you do, and then you, like, you hang out and then you leave. But, like, when it's a big show or something, or if I'm on stage, like, the Dayton show in front of my family, and I'm just, just dying, I'm like... Like you get off stage and you're miserable, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's to what you're talking about with this is what we're meant to do. Because I feel almost like a a comfort in that in that misery of like, okay, so I know I can do better. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like that feeling of being miserable reminds me that like, oh, I can do better than this because I've gotten off stage and felt great before. So the fact that I'm getting off stage miserable. Is just a reminder that I can be better. Well, and it's also, uh, I don't know. I, I think the thing about it is that's nice is, is that uh, one, bombing is kind of nice because if you can't get past a bomb and, and it, oh, it's so bad. But, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It You'll get into this rut where it's bombs in a row. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, and, and it's w- weird because it throws you off for this loop. Because you think everything sucks. Yeah, you think everything sucks. You have so many bombs in a row, and then you start doing this thing where you're like, oh, wait, 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 what's, what's going on? Uh, and and then, like, you, you know, you you just get into your head so much that you, you, you forget what you're doing. And yeah. instead of, like, actually focusing on doing it, you're thinking about thinking about doing it. Yeah, you know, exactly. You, like, once you get too into your head, you can't do it at... And you just got to let it go. Uh, but it is it is nice. It is nice to be miserable and be like, ah, oh, yeah, it's just not made up. But like yeah. I I like bombing because I'm just like, oh, shit. Yeah. I, like the fact that I can have this moment where I am just eating a dick of just pure loneliness and I'm coming back. I'm supposed to be doing that. Yeah. Well, that's a, yeah. And that's my point. Yeah, <laughs> that's awful. a great point because. I've talked about that before. I think I talked about it with Emily on the show was that like the difference between uh, not the not the only difference, but a big difference between people who like want to try stand up and people who continue to pursue stand up are the people when you're put in those shitty situations in a room that whatever happens happens, but you end up bombing. But then someone asks you a month later, hey, do you want to do this room again? And you're like. Fuck yeah, rock yeah, and roll. Let's do it. Let's do this. I'm gonna go into this room that I ate a dick in. Because well, because I've met comics or I've met people who do comedy who have been like, um, who have said like, oh no, you know, I don't, I don't do that room and I don't do this room because those don't really play to my strengths. Like these are the kind of jokes I do, so I stay away from those kind of rooms. And in my head, I'm like, well then, so you're basically only performing at a certain venue for people who you invited to come to see you and the other people on the show invited people. So it's basically a bringer show. And then you get a lot of laughs because these are all friends and family and stuff, but you won't do any other show because you don't like, you can't handle the bomb. Oh dude. Can I just say something? I am so fortunate 
And like, you know, when I when I said that, like, I imagine life differently, like yeah. if I had made different choices and I always just imagine I would kill myself if I made other choices. Uh, but I was so depressed when I first started comedy uh, in the military. I did like four or five shows at these open mics and people always thought it was funny, but I never wanted anybody to come. Yeah, uh, I never did a bringer show. So for anybody that wants to do stand up. My biggest tip would be is don't invite your friends until like six months or a year in. Yeah. Because you know what happens, and I see it like a ton of times. You time. see it all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. You see it all the time is that you get somebody that's actually pretty pretty talented that's got like something going for them. Uh, and, because most people are funny. Um, when they go I on. I hate that you say that. <laughs> yeah, most people are funny. I know. In their we own. just talked about this last time. Yeah, so. no, it, you, you just want to feel special. I know. I uh, do. And you aren't, Brennan, just because you cut your face. Um, <laughs> no. No, you know, most people can say something funny if they try. But, you know, these people do these bringer shows. And, like, you know, <laughs> like you said, gee, yeah, Deborah here likes to put fish in the microwave. Oh, my God. Yeah, they crush, destroy. Yeah, just, just destroy, because you're talking to friends, obviously, which is party riffing, which everybody does yeah, great. Yeah, everybody <laughs> does it after a couple of drinks. Dude, there's always, yeah, and everybody has one moment where they've done party riffing. Oh, dude, party riffing's the greatest. Oh, man, that's what I miss about drinking is being that right level of drunk where you're just holding and telling like a funny story and five people are laughing their and ass. And you're holding court for everybody. Uh, yeah. But anyway, just never do a bringer show until like you've been a year in. Because the thing is, is one, those people already think you're funny. So you're not really proving anything. And then two, you have this idea of what laughter feels like. Yeah, you get a disproportionate idea of what going on stage is. Yeah, because nobody's going to give a shit about you when you're talking to strangers. They're yeah. Not, yeah. Especially they, in a bar. Yeah. And they're all trying to like drink and hang out with their friends and then you do ambush comedy yeah 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 they're never yeah they're not gonna care about you so i just within like I, i'm trying to think in jacksonville in like two years i probably saw like seven different guys that did a bringer show and then they like just trailed off because they did the bringer show uh and then after they did the bringer show they were like wait a minute comedy is just eating a dick most of the time yeah. uh yeah um I mean, if you think about it, comedy is just really like, you know, the guys that get paid to be boxers that weren't good at fighting. They just were good at getting hit. Yeah. Uh, they're jobbers. Not, yeah. Jobbers. You know, comedians are just jobbers for life. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, that's true. But that's the thing, too, that I am. Um, and now I, I preface every show with that. The, the, the joke that I now open with, I even say, or the second joke that I do at a lot of shows, I even say, listen, I'm going to tell stories. A lot of my comedy is stories. And not all of you are going to get it. And that's okay. I don't expect all of you to get it because I talk about some pretty intense things, but I don't need all of you. Yeah, that sounds I like just you're bad at comedy. But that's the thing. <laughs> I am bad at comedy, no, but no. I keep doing it. But that's the thing is like, I, and I've said this a million times on this show, but Kyle Kinane, who's a very hilarious comedian um, that I, I really you know look up to, he says this um, on his podcast, The Boogie Monster, all the time. He says, you know, I don't need all of you. I just need enough to fill up a room. Like, I don't need everybody. So, like, when people, like, write him, like, oh, you shouldn't say that joke because of this. He's like, fuck off. Then don't be my fan anymore because I don't need you. And when I heard him say that, I kind of took it to heart because I've gotten off stage before and people go, oh, that's pretty intense or that's pretty, like, on the line or something like that. And I'm like, I used to let it get to me. 
and be like, maybe I should tone all this down. And then I've gotten off stage before and people are like, dude, that was fucking awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I want those people. Yeah. The people who tell me it's too intense, especially to the point that you're making. We're doing it in front of strangers. Yeah. So I want to get to the point, obviously, through the podcast and just through stand up of doing it in front of people who kind of understand who I am because then they get it. Yeah. The hardest part right now with other than the covid um the hardest part with comedy is a lot of the shows that we do are in front of strangers so if they don't know you or if they don't understand like your inner workings like you've done some of those suicide jokes and i've been in the room where they like people are like that's you can't joke about that kind of stuff and it's like yes you can because that was a funny joke but like well, you know, and I, I don't know. I think that that's also like a there's a weird climate right now with joking. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. You know, because I, I like writing jokes about suicide because the fact is, is that to me is that, you know, I just did comedy because of the fact that I was just so depressed in the first place. So it's yeah. it is like because innately suicide's kind of funny to me like it just is like <laughs> i mean think about it for a moment as like as people we're supposed to fuck eat shit and then die but you want to do the dying first <laughs> like what like no that's funny <laughs> it's backwards it's backwards why do you want to die you know the christmas presents are gonna be opened eventually like yeah. you don't have to go into the closet <laughs> 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 death will come <laughs> like, don't spoil it jesus man once you die you're gonna have to pretend like you're excited <laughs> like, that's god's gift to you he ends the suffering <laughs> super light episode this week <laughs> no, um, uh, no no it, 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 uh, people because they're you know you joke about anything because the you know the whole point why we're comics is is because we all obviously nobody learns the skill to be funny unless it's a coping method yeah yeah it's a coping me- method and mechanism it's a it's a thing that you do like I I started becoming funny because I was bullied like me too yeah like when you're bullied like oh dude oh man they're trying hard to end bullying and they're just gonna you know kill comedy yeah no i'm joking that's a chris buck joke look up chris buck he's a much better comic than i am um at stopher buck at stopher buck yeah we're gonna oh god fucking he got he got a quote tweeted by kevin hart well oh yeah yeah uh let's not talk about other people that's sad yeah um, um just actually at that edit that whole out oh, oh i'm not you know i don't edit on this oh, unless god. you call me at two in the morning to say hey don't forget to take that name out i didn't call you i sent you a text okay <laughs> that's You're true. welcome um but i wanted to i wanted to touch on something real quick that you said and then we have to get into your move because I do have to go to work eventually. So we can't run that long today. But you said something that was very interesting to me about bombing in a row and how you can get into your own head and stuff. And I wanted to just make the point, I guess, that I've done that on stage with with my set. So not bombing like I bombed this show, I bombed that show. I bomb. Like I've done that before. But in my set, like if the first couple of jokes bomb... I do that same thing that you're talking about, but condensed like in that in that set where I'll get in my own head and I'm like, wait a second. I've worked on these. I think these are funny. They've gotten laughs before. Why isn't this working? Then all of a sudden I'm thinking about thinking about doing the thing and then it just makes the set worse. So I don't know. I just thought that was what you were talking about earlier. I just thought that was interesting. Well, you know, just kind of add to that, like what a lot of people don't know about timing and how timing really works is, is that this sounds like gay bullshit to say but you know as a 
as a comedian, what you're really doing is is that you're working with people's laughter. You're working with a shroud a crowd's laughter uh, because you listen for how they laugh and how they react. And then that's what develops your timing by changing your jokes and how you deliver those jokes. You are adjusting it to the laugh. That's how, how you get a crowd going is, is by you get them into the tempo of laughing because once you get somebody to laugh, then they start laughing at other things because laughter kind of builds. So really it's part of, that's what timing is. Timing isn't just delivering jokes in a, in a way. Timing is also being able to manage a crowd's laughter and how they feel. So when you get nervous, what ends up happening and what causes a bomb is, is that Sometimes your jokes just aren't going to land, right? Yeah. But happens. when you get into your head and you get that fear thing, it messes up your timing because what you're you're doing is is you're putting in a space because you forget to kind of naturally do it because that everyone has their own natural timing mm-hmm. and when you knock your own clock out of sync and really what you do is is that it's a it's a record scratch it really is like when you get into your head you put that you're just literally knocking the table with the record over you're like like that's what it is like because it's very thin that tempo that timing to get a crowd to really roar to like really get them with you that's that it's tempo it's timing you you figure out the cadence in which you're delivering everything yeah the cadence it's not just the the content of what you're saying it's it's how you're saying it it's when you're saying it because i've had shows go awesome and i've gotten the light and i've been like i feel like i've only been up here for like five minutes yeah and just riffing with the crowd and rolling one joke right into the next joke because i tell stories so i can like literally roll one story into the next and you're like man i'm i'm this is good. And then you see the light and you're like, damn, man, I feel like I just got up here. We're cooking, baby. Oh, yeah. And um, then when you're bombing. Oh, my God. It's like, where the fuck is the light? Oh, dude. Uh, I grew up on that farm and bull riding is eight seconds. And they they always say, like, the longest eight seconds in your life. It's like, dude, five minutes bombing is just, oh. And that, look how nice it is. We live in Florida where we can bomb in five minutes. Yeah. You know, if we lived in fucking... If, anywhere else like california where i'm moving to you don't get to bum for five minutes they just kick you off yep light you right up they light you right up speaking of california that was a fantastic segue i appreciate that oh you're welcome um you are moving we talked about this on the last episode and that came up quick because i remember being like you said you're gonna move towards the end of november and i was like all right we got plenty of time like we're gonna record another episode and then i texted you the other day and i was like oh shit like when exactly are you moving and you were like this week and i was like "Uh oh yeah well so one the reason i'm doing it is is that uh you know when i left the military uh i i was kind of lost i was dealing with ptsd and all that remember guys the really light episode um you know i i was dealing with a a lot of heavy stuff uh (laughs) Sorry, go on, go on. No, 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 you're good. You're good. You act like a stand up comic is not happy that I made you laugh. Yeah, that's oh, true. No. Oh no, someone thought I was funny. That hurts. No, uh, no, how I, rude. How rude. Yeah. No, I, I um I I left the military and I kinda I limped out basically. I wasn't kicked out. My contract came to an end, but they wouldn't even let me re enlist because I you know, I had all these issues going on. Mm-hmm. Uh and then so I got back to, to the South and um, you know, I over living here, I kinda realized, Oh wait, 
I join the military to leave this place? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I kind of had forgotten that, uh, that I, I really did. I like the South, like, a, a, which is a weird thing to say. The South is a, a, the most miserable and sad part of America. It is brutally sad and just ridiculously sad. <laughs> just sad. It's sad. The South is sad. Um and uh, I, I joined the military to leave. Uh, so I, I don't, I, my lease came up and uh, dude, COVID year has been awful. Everybody in 2020 is not enjoying themselves. So I also had the worst experience where I was living with two other stand-up comics and we're not, none of us are doing comedy. So it's just the grotiness of comedy oh, living without, without stand-up, without any of the stand-up. So it's just like, you know, my lease was coming up and I was talking to a friend of mine and he was just like, yeah, come out. And so I was just, I just decided to say, you know, fuck it. I've, you know, I don't really have anything going on right now. So you're going back to the part of California where you were in the military yet? Yeah. Well, for a little bit, I'm just going to stay there for like a month or so and okay. i'm moving down to uh oceanside or san diego kind of yeah, okay like, i don't know how california works because i i think they just say that cities that are close to the cities are also the cities yeah uh, i got it yeah but it's like everything around jacksonville is jacksonville yeah everything like i can say i'm from jacksonville but i'm from stark but nobody knows what stark is yeah nobody knows what stark so like is. you know tony yeah you know tony yeah god uh, Iron Man joke, boom. Ooh. Are you um? I think because originally when I had spoken to you, this was probably a year ago when you were talking about moving. I thought you were going out there to continue to work for for the FBI. Yeah, I, I did get an FBI job offer, but I, so here's the thing: like when when you're a linguist in the military and you have a top secret clearance, which um, you know I do. Uh, well, I did. Sorry, my my clearance lapsed. Because I, they're based off of like a five-year thing, so I okay. have to redo my whole investigation and everything. You know, a lot of contracting positions open up to you, you know, especially as somebody that's like an Iranian linguist and everything. And so, but the thing is, is that, um, you know, have you ever tried to fill out an Excel spreadsheet when you're suicidal? <laughs> it's, <laughs> guys, you can't do it. Um, no, I have not. <laughs> You can't do it. Something about, like, I know this sounds, so here's the, the, I'm moving from the South, but I do fully embrace that I am country because there's part of me that whenever I do office work, I'm just like, how the hell are you going to look at the picture box and not feel it? Like when I dig a post hole, I want to feel like I dug a post hole, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like there's, there is like a thing, like a part of my brain that whenever I do anything office related like if i can't see work being done my brain is just like why are you even doing this yeah so like when everything's in the computer and all that kind of stuff it's just like eh. uh, yeah and then all those buildings are like pitch black no windows and it's always like and anytime you do a job like that it's your life is not your life yeah uh, like that's the thing about the military or any any kind of the that 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 kind of work it's it's intense it's brutal it's very demanding uh it pays great but it, it's it's brutal it's demanding and it's also uh i would go crazy if i did anything like that so i i thought i was going to move out there for that yeah because that was i was under that impression that you were going out there for that yeah but then i just kind of decided i just want to move out there just to go just to go beautiful i, I you know I, I know we're probably gonna have a just another pandemic in 2021 and this is all just gonna be our lives forever now um 
But, you know, I just kind of want to go somewhere where I can do an open mic a night. Like, I, yeah. Yeah. Like, literally, like, because one, I've just been, it's been so rough this year because one of the things is, is that I primarily write on stage, which is like horrible for, for, for COVID. I, yeah. I, I do. Scott I, and I were talking about that last week. Yeah. I, I write on stage. Like, I, I do write at home and I, I write a lot. I, I'm probably like, I write every day uh, and I've written every day for four or five years now. Uh, I love writing comedy. But the thing is, is that performing on stage is how I write. I write on stage because there's just something there in that tempo for me that I just kind of feel more. And I like it makes it so much easier for me to write on stage because once you get like that, that movement, that going of it, it helps it's kind of a performance, like a little bit of a dance. And I really have written all of my best jokes that I have felt proud of, of writing really just came out from that. Yeah. And writing on stage. And I miss writing on stage so fucking much. Well, the problem that I've run into is I'm very long winded when I write at home, but I, I, I try to, cause I, as like I will write out every part of the story. And because it's a story that happened to me, a lot of times I'm like, oh, that's super funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Like, pause for laughter. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, that's going to be that, so good. Dude. And then I get on stage and it eats a dick. And I'm like, oh, this is too long. This is too long-winded. This is too, you know, too many details that don't matter. And then all of a sudden I'm like, and then I'll do it like two or three more times, but I'll keep cutting shit out. And then, like you said, I rewrite it on stage and then it's funny and then I can work with it. Yeah. But if I just got on stage after writing, like in the COVID situation, it would be like a TED talk for 40 minutes. Which, you know, both of us are long winded. Yeah. Naturally. <laughs> it's because we're pompous. We are. We are both very pompous. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know this, the thing about Brennan that's really funny is, is the reason Brennan is long-winded, and this is my diagnosis as a friend, is that- As someone with a therapy degree. As someone with a therapy degree uh, from the therapy place. Uh, No, Brennan's long-winded because of the fact that he knows he's smart, but he doesn't want to be like, I'm smart. He wants people to be like, no, he's smart, and that's why he's long-winded. That's a very good assessment. I'm- I probably do that subconsciously because a lot of times I keep talking to prove a point just so people are like, wow, he really proved that point. Yeah. yeah. You, you got that like law degree, like our shark style. Like I've got to win this case. Yeah. Um, well, my dad always taught me life is a zero sum. There's winners and there's losers. Oh, man. <sighs> that is sad. What? What? No, that's that's literally Ricky Bobby. <laughs> like, if you ain't first, you're last. Yeah, yeah. Like, I firmly believe. No, I'm just, no, I fir- no, um, no. I'm very happy for the success of my peers in comedy. There's, I don't believe that it is a zero sum game. I said that as a joke. I'm so happy for everyone and all their newfound success during the pandemic. You hate it. Um, donate. No, not. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I'm excited to move out. And but count. what are you going to do? What's what's hap- What's the haps? You're just going to go out there, do comedy, and just... Probably work on a warehouse. I okay. love working on warehouses, man. Yeah. It's really nice. You pick things up, and you put it down, and they pay you. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Well, because cause originally, I remember when we were talking about this, 
you had your set location and I was under the impression it was because of the job. Now, when you move out there with your friend, are you still you still plan on going to Oceanside? Just- yeah. So I'm just going to be living in Monterey for a month or two and yeah. then I'm moved down to Oceanside. And- I didn't know if there was a reason why you picked Oceanside. Now that you're not doing it. For oh, the no, job. I just have a support net there. Oh, OK. Yeah, okay, I do. I, I'm smart enough to actually have a support net like a, I have a uh, like a close family. Uh, my one of my best friends in the military uh, is there. So it's kind of kind of having like a support net. Like yeah, someone absolutely. that I can talk to because, you know, I know myself well enough to be like, oh, shit, that's probably a bad idea to go out and do it alone. Yeah. Um, I mean, I am scared, like absolutely terrified. Uh, super duper frightened because it's a change and you know honestly it'd just be much easier to just stay here yeah for Uh, sure but i mean anything worth doing is going to be hard if it was easy it would just be the way yeah but this is the way what's that line from road trip it's called a shortcut if it was easy it would just be the way the way oh really man i just love that you have a photographic memory for bad movies that's not a bad movie road trip what what have you listed in this conversation you're like road trip like brennan you have like the best best memory they're relevant quotes they're relevant but i i don't know it's just like watching somebody that quote from get him to the greek it's good to feel nervous had everything to do with what you were talking about well you know one time i read and um the babysitter's club <laughs> you know in fried green tomatoes there was a fantastic oh dude fried green tomatoes oh man i remember watching that movie and it's like you can tell like some white lady was mad that the color purple was not about her when they made that movie uh that's why that movie got made um oh my god <laughs> yeah that's a weird side bit but um anyway uh, so monterey to san diego san diego uh which is german this means the whale's vagina okay now we're not doing a movie podcast stop <laughs> no that's from anchorman um all right anyway no <laughs> no we have we've got some time left i want to talk about um you when you came on you said what do you want to talk about drinking stories or anything like that but i just wanted to i wanted to see how dallas was doing Today, right now, how how Dallas is doing? Uh, I'm doing fine. I need to get some work done on my car, so that's kind of like the. Are worst. you driving out there? Yeah, I'm driving out there. Uh, I'm probably gonna do like a three day thing. Yeah. Because the cool thing about like military is, is I got kind of friends everywhere, so it's kind of nice in that. Are you going north or south across the country, like through the Midwest or through Texas in the south? I think I'm gonna go south through Texas. I've got to set up some shows. Uh, yeah, I probably should. I uh, I need to print out some posters and stuff. Maybe, yeah, you know, I'll do that. I'll print out some posters and stuff. I've I I've been doing like some merchandising ideas. Is just like I like to uh do collage work with glue, uh, and like magazine stuff. Yeah, in and people's so, skin. Yeah, 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 in people's skin. Um, oh no, no, no I'm joking. Uh, their blood. Um. <laughs> No, I so I was thinking about like making some posters and everything. Like the the uh, big thing I'm doing like merch right now is I have a friend that owns a 3D printer and he's like doing what's called lithographs, these little keychains that you put a light through and you can kind of see like a message. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I like it, but I don't know. Merchandising's weird because you got to think about like worthless shit people want. Um, yeah, yeah. It's really weird because I um I have that bit um about the national anthem. And I was like, oh, I want to turn this into a shirt. Like, I think this would be a great shirt. But then it's like, 
the quote's too long for the shirt, but then like the idea I have in my head as a picture, I'm not a graphic designer or really an artist on paper. So it's like hard for me to design. And I like uh, send it out uh, to a few graphic designers that I know. Um, one of them never got back to me. Um, a few others, they, I just didn't like the design. And so it's like, well, I, like I, I have this idea for merch and it's worthless, but I think people would buy it. But I just can't materialize it. Yeah. Well, so, you know, it's so funny is, is that like uh, once you have a gauge for what merch is, there's like a weird thing where it sucks. But I, I know what bad merch looks like, but I don't know how to make good merch yet. Yeah. Like that's the worst part about it. Uh because you got to like figure out how to do it. And like one, like unless your jokes are like really quippy, there would be like a great thing. Like I wish I, I wish I could make my jokes more uh like perfect for merchandising yeah. but you know i can't do like uh like it's just like like i'm good at blowjobs because i hate my dad like i like i love oh well i mean i could probably that would be a good shirt but the, the but the funniest part about that joke is the the sentence after that yeah yeah it was a like I, I don't know. Yeah, but father issues do make you good at blowjobs. Is the joke is is because if you think about it, all a blowjob is, is is it's getting a male figure to look down at you and smile. You know, and that's obviously something you would doing do. Great. Yeah, you're doing great. Like, and I like, yell, and it, because obviously nobody would get good at blowjobs if like their father loved them. Like, it's just ugh, no, that's not a skill you develop. That's not. <laughs> it's not a skill you develop. Like, oh no. I'm trying to get better. And the other thing, too, is, like, I don't, like, whenever I get on stage and people, like, Rena Calm, who's a touring comedian, um, she had great merch. She had, like, a little suitcase. And then in oh, that she's suitcase, awesome. she had, the, like, the little, like, sign with the light. She had a, a book that she, I guess you can just go to Amazon, the publisher, Amazon Publishing, and, like, design a book. And then they'll they'll literally print it on demand for people who order it. Yeah. So, like, she had, like, she had a book that she had done and everything. And I was like, that's. And she had, like, a, a mugs and all sorts of, like, like just little things, like knickknacks. But it's like, oh, that's fucking super smart, like, to have it all in that one place. And then not only that, but it's not it's not shirts. It's not like, oh, here's a shirt with a joke on it. Like, it was a lot more than that. Yeah. And that's, I think, what's interesting for people was they're like, oh, I'm not going to get a T-shirt that I'll probably wear twice. Like, I'm going to get a book and I'll put this on the coffee table and then everyone can see it. Yeah. I was, so, you know, I was thinking about something I've been toying around with the book is, is that the Comprehensive Guide to Understanding Joke Writing and Structure by Dallas James Nelson. Um, and I wanted to do this book <laughs> where I took like really dumb level jokes and just spent like hours breaking them down yeah like i i I did sentence i have a couple of of pages of it already where i like uh i think the first one was is just like pull my finger uh and then i like really broke it down with sentence diagramming where it was like uh understood you uh pull action fingers direct object uh my uh adjacent descriptor Uh, (laughs) and i was like this joke is funny like i wanted to do like a full like yeah paragraphical uh like just super super and i want it to be just awful jokes like i wanted to do one where i did like um what's the difference between a gay man and a freezer a freezer doesn't fart when you pull the meat out um that's a great joke by the way guys uh uh no no it just awful awful (laughs) 
like and I and I want to do like false like I, I break that not just only breaking down the joke but the syntax and everything like yeah that. yeah like just full like actual scientific analysis well not scientific obviously literary analysis yeah, I'm analysis. a fucking idiot uh but. No, uh, no, I wanted to do, yeah, the comprehensive guide to understanding joke writing and structure, uh, because I, and I really want somebody, like, I had a dream that one day somebody that's autistic is going to unironically buy that book, and that's my dream. They're like, oh, no, I get it now. (laughs) This makes total sense. This makes total sense, because, you know, never explain a joke, but I think that sometimes explaining jokes is really funny to me. Yeah. Um, Because it... The true story, when I was in the military, one of the funniest things that I remember that was just absolutely fucking hilarious was when I, I was in Al-Yadid, which is in Qatar, Qatar or whatever, uh, and uh, I was air crew, so I was friends with the Brits, uh, the RAF, and we got invited over to their pub, which... It, when you're at Al Yadid, you can only get you have three alcoholic drink tokens. But at the British pub, they don't have three tokens; they have unlimited. So if you were friends with the Brits, you could get drunk. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went to the British pub to hang out with like the Brit, uh, and this guy, this really sweet-looking guy, just tells me the awkwardest joke I've ever heard in my life. Uh, and he goes, "Oh, um, you're very funny." Um, I, I am a bit of a comedian myself. Um, you know the chaps they have this thing where, um, when the ceremony, you know the ceremony, right? Um, they um the youngest person before the ceremony begins. You know, we have ceremonies. You know, um, the youngest chap is is um uh, supposed to tell a joke, and I, I, I am quite a singer. Um, it is, uh, why is, is Popeye, you know, Popeye the, the sailor, um, why is Popeye so happy all the time? Why is Popeye so happy? Why? Um, because he dips his wick in olive oil. You, you see, olive oil. Um, and he sits there for a moment after he says this, and then he looks at me, and in just this really delightful upper received ac- I don't know anything about English accents but he's just, well so olive oil is um <laughs> olive oil is Popeye's wife or girlfriend Billy I'm not I'm not quite certain because you know Bluto Bluto olive oil is a woman and <laughs> um you know olive oil also it's a food thing <laughs> um and um he has sex with her <laughs> like he just, so he just went on trying to explain it and he just and it was so funny because the fact was it's like i'm just sitting because i didn't laugh because it took me a moment because i was like oh uh like and it was cute but he was just so you know like uh, just you know, wa- you know. watch it yeah just watching a british guy awkwardly talk <laughs> about sex for like three minutes because it, it was just like sex he has sex <laughs> like it just I, I, it's his wife or it, it could be his girlfriend i don't you know because blue toe yeah wouldn't it wouldn't it be great like a hey uh, why is popeye so happy because he fucks <laughs> <laughs> like, boom yeah because he 
books. Like, that's great. All joke writing breakdown. <laughs> that's going to be in my book. Is it's like That should Pope, be in your yeah, book. Yeah, Popeye's happy because he fucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you should really break down. We um, I did a show a couple weeks ago, and... It was an open mic and it was we had a there was a guy that was on it and he was trying to be like edge lordy, but he was just basically doing a bunch of jokes about um, like jokes that you would read out of that book, that Friars Club book right there that you just pulled off my bookshelf. A Friars Club joke book, but go on. Um, but it was just interesting because he was trying to be like edge lord and I'm looking around at the other comics and some of the people in the audience and I'm like, you guys know he didn't write these, right? Like these are from like a joke book. You know what I mean? Like a lot of like dead baby kind of jokes and stuff like that. Oh, and I'm like, man. But I'm like, and like sex jokes and shit, but not, not, not like when I say sex jokes, I mean like over the top kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when we talk about our penis, it's art. Yeah, exactly. It's well-crafted <laughs> art, but yeah, well-crafted art. He was just doing like almost like these like knock knock jokes really. And I was just like looking around and people are laughing and I'm like, wait, is you like, you've all heard these before. Like, what are you talking about? Well, so, you know, though, that comedy, it, it's funny. My sister is a hot girl, so obviously she's bad at comedy. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, but for, for any girls that, that are really pretty, that I noticed that there's this thing where they, they have the problem. And this is how you know I'm a sad white guy because I hate women. Um, <laughs> no, but I've noticed that a lot of girls have problems writing jokes uh, from that because they, guys are told to laugh at them yeah so it's kind of like telling a manager to write a joke oh no no never mind i'm not take this back it sounds sexist i didn't want to talk about this no i meant yeah whatever uh no uh but my sister was telling me something really funny where she goes you know as a comic you're supposed to speak truth to power and i was like what the fuck are you (laughs) saying as a comic you're supposed to do things that are funny yeah like it's it's just so you could go up on stage and read some Friars Club jokes. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, God. What's the difference between an Israelite and an Israeli? I don't uh, know what. About 30 calories. What? Oh. That's actually really cute. I love that. I, God. You can borrow that if you want. No, that means I would have it. Yeah. I'm leaving. You could take it for uh, your new book. Yeah. Oh, this. yeah, yeah. This yeah. would be perfect for your book. Yeah, you yeah. You could break actually, down every single joke that's in there. Yeah, actually, that would be a. Great That's a idea. gift. It's a going away gift. Thank you so much, Brennan. Of course. I think we should we end it on that. Yeah, uh, we should. Really... Dallas, we are going to miss you here in Jacksonville. You know, I love you more than anything in the world. Oh, thank you. Um, you want to plug everything one more time? Yeah, uh, look me up, Dallas James Nelson, on Facebook, uh, on Instagram, it's Atlas underscore Vaped, and on Twitter, it's uh, Your Mom's House. <laughs> Shout out to Tom Segura. Um. And Christina Pajitsky. Um All right. This was another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you can follow me on all social media at Brennan T. Comedy. I have a bunch of dates that I booked coming up. So check out my website, BrennanTComedy.com. I'm coming to Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, thank you so much again for listening. We love you all. If you have anything you want to say to me, uh, Brennan Tassif at BrennanTComedy.com. Again, that's Dallas James Nelson, and I'll talk to you all next week. Thank you.